are the voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Nothing, Spock. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Come now, sir. Clearly there is something humorous, and I, too, would like to experience humor. This, this is episode 69? <laughs> I don't understand, sir. And that's exactly why I didn't want to bring it up. Let's just start the show. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I am Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And I'm puzzled. 69 is between 68 and 70. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it some sort of juxtaposition? Who knows? <laughs> Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. So we return to murder. Murder! The return the return of murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, la- last time we endeavored to the first mm-hmm. half-ish of... Half, like, yeah, like half-ish and then half a spoonful. So mm-hmm. maybe more like two-thirds. Yep. Of only murders mm-hmm. in the building. And now that the show has concluded and an appropriate amount of time has passed that we don't have That's to right. name spoilers, but I'll name it anyway. There will be spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the ending, pause now, watch it, come back. Yeah. It, they're, they're very short and it, so enjoyable. Yes. So yes, it's kind of, it's like popcorn, you know, mm-hmm. just eating the popcorn and enjoying the flavor. Mmm, <laughs> murder. <laughs> Oh no! Murder flavored popcorn does not sound super appetizing, actually. Hmm, what would murder taste like? I mean, not like oh, you know what? Let's we're just, just we're just like running into Hannibal TV show territory here. Yeah, just I like... you know how I feel about cannibalism. Like that's according to the Donner Party, man tastes like milky rabbit. Uh, wow. Hmm. I did not know that, but I suppose, you know, I think it's best to just leave it there. Just leave it there and back up and turn right, you know? I've, just in one moment. So I have to explain yes. why I know that about the Donner Party. 
Okay, please do. Because uh, when I was in high school and I was um, in my in my performance days, yes. uh, we would sometimes go to theater uh, contests. Where, sure. Yeah. Where you would compete, right? Mm -hmm. The same way that the sports people would compete in feats of strength, we would compete in feats of drama. <laughs> and one <laughs> such event, the one of the opposing schools performed Donner, the story of the Donner Party. <laughs> Were there jazz hands? Because, like, I know listeners at home obviously can't see you, but you just, like, lifted both your hands as if you were ready to do jazz hands. No, but I think it was Donner with an exclamation point. At any time... Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Anytime they'd, like, my, my friend's dad who wrote the musical Holmes with the exclamation point. Like, you had to say it, like, Holmes! Donner! Right, um, like that terrible film, Mother. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was it was a drama, mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. it was about the Donner Party. And that's how I learned that the Donner Party described the taste of man as Milky Rabbit. Milky Rabbit. Mm -hmm. All right, well, back to... Um, back to a TV show where there was murder, but no consuming... I'm glad of that. I am super glad of that. Though I have to be honest that like now that I've seen Jan the Bassoonist like full evolution. Sure. Yeah. Like Jan would be the kind of person who I feel like could sit down with some milky rabbit. <laughs> like she was just like like that final scene between her and Steve Martin mm -hmm. where she reveals herself. She seemed like pretty not just into murder, but pretty turned on by it. Like, it seemed like that really yeah. did something for her sexually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, there was there was definitely an eroticism. Mm, yes, there's the word I was searching for. Right. Well, I mean, her her bassoon cleaner was in the box of sex toys. So. It, <laughs> it sure was. Um, yeah, so. She so liked us, it big. <laughs> the bassoon is a large instrument oh see 69 this what an appropriate episode <laughs> what an appropriate really thing was. to talk about for episode 69 it's yeah no hey. that's true hey. um i saw a great meme mm -hmm. that was uh two people texting back and forth they were clearly just getting to know each other on like probably an app and probably yes perhaps bumble um perhaps tinder and the the one person says to the other person hey what's that 69 symbol on your on your profile and the other person says it's cancer and the first person says oh man i'm so sorry to hear because the oh. the sign for the, the zodiac astrological symbol. the zodiac yes. sign for cancer does look a bit like, like 69. A sideways sixty nine. <laughs> no, it totally does. Um, this is why it's hard to meet people on apps. There's a lot. <laughs> Words only capture like a very small percentage of human interaction, and mm -hmm. when that's all you have to go on. Right. You're going to make, yeah, yeah, that meme captured it beautifully. Yeah, it was beautiful. I was like, oh, they're not a match. They're not a match. 
at least they'd have some communication to work on mm -hmm. if they met IRL. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> returning to what happened. So when, mm -hmm. when last we left off, the yes. um, our intrepid trio was sure that the the dip king mm -hmm. was the murderer. The they were very sure that it was the Demises, Papa mm -hmm. and Son. Yes, Nathan Lane of of screen and stage. Yes, screen and stage. <laughs> <laughs> and and his son. We didn't spend a lot of time last time talking about the amazing episode that was done entirely silently, although we spent a couple minutes on it. We did. We spent a couple minutes on it. It, I just... it was an amazing episode. Is there more that you feel we should we should name? Uh, I mean, I think I mentioned that I, I love that as a story device when we have mm -hmm. a completely silent episode. Um, my my all-time very favorite silent episode of a TV show ever is Buffy the Vampire Slayer Hush. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is, oh, just chef's kiss. Um, but I, it's, I, yeah. I think it's one of their more terrifying episodes, honestly. Like, they did a lot of sort of, like... The gentlemen are fucking creepy. They are truly horrifying. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, and, and part of what's so scary is be, is that there's no dialogue. Right. I wonder, did, like, the folks who did Doctor Who, if they, like, were inspired at all by that episode? Because I, I think that Hush came first. And oh, then, like, do you remember the aliens that were, like, very quiet, but also, like, they would, they took away your memory of them? Yeah, uh, you're talking about the, oh, my God. it It's such a testament to the power of that character to take away your memory that I can never remember the name of those no. creatures. They're not the I can't, nothings. but I, I, have this, the... I have this memory of, like, Amy Pond and all the stuff that she wrote on her arms. Oh, right, though. right, because you... Uh, you have you have right. to get the the sharpie marker out to show mm -hmm. that you that you saw one. Um, yes, but I mean that's very creepy too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I didn't think that episode of Mur only murders in the building was creepy, but what I liked about no. it was like we need other ways to tell a story. It's not all spoken dialogue, right? Oh. And I thought it did a nice job of really attempting to explore and then depict other ways that like a being can experience the world like how does someone mm -hmm. who is deaf for example experience the world what is that like for them mm -hmm. um and so i really appreciated that it it shifted and attempted to really move from that perspective mm -hmm. yeah i just i really enjoyed that and of course i i love the plot device of a rashomon where we're getting everybody's perspective. That's true. And I feel like this show in general sort of like flirted with Rashomon, mm -hmm. but never but never fully dove in, if you will. Well, it was like each episode we get someone's perspective of all the events. So it's yes. not that we are constantly seeing everybody's point of view. But, you know, eventually we get the cop's point of view and we get uh, Dip Jr., and <laughs> I think you mean Theo, but yes, Dip Theo. Jr. <laughs> As he's stoned on the side in his DJ career. Dip oh, Jr. 
yeah that'd be that'd be a dope dj name (laughs) or 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 dj tzatziki Mm, (laughs) there you go there it is what's up hummus (laughs) so many dips so many dips so many ways to just really riff on the dips (laughs) oliver putnam loves a dip Oliver Putnam, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm concerned, like that he has some major vitamin deficiency by the end of that the run of the show. You know, like obviously the actor who's portraying him, Martin Short, is fine, but that character, mm-hmm. I'm like, you need some more vitamin D. Are we like flirting with anemia here? Who knows? I know someone complimented him on on the shape or size of his body at some point. He's like, thanks, it's the dips. And I had the same thought. I was like, buddy. You're losing muscle mass by the minute. Right. Pretty soon you're not, it's, you're gonna, it's gonna be hard for you to like lift the spoon that has the dip in it. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm glad he found the gut milk. That was probably helping. Yeah, though, you know, it did have that alcohol in it. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that the gut milk was alcoholic. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about nutrition to like speak anything to like speak on alcohol plus probiotic other than to say that like in the show it was alcohol plus probiotic (laughs) uh yeah but returning to jan the bassoonist yes jan the bassoonist when did you buck Mm. suspect Mm -hmm. that jan the bassoonist might not be all that she was um I think it was once, honestly, this and this is going to sound really sad. I think it was once um, she and Steve Martin, Brazos, mm-hmm. Charles, started to, like, be happy together. Oh, sure. There was just something about the happiness that felt like uh, it, it, there was... Not that there was something missing, but I was like, mm, this just feels like it's not going to last. And mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's because, like, Jan started it started to feel like she was acting a bit like her attraction to charles seemed genuine Mm -hmm. their exchange at dinner also felt genuine but then once they were together and especially when they have that episode where everyone else is so irritated that jan is there and like interfering (laughs) in their podcasting and their amateur detectiving Mm -hmm. and like jan is just so present and so saccharine sweet it kind of reminded me of oh who's that character from harry potter with like the blood pen, umbrage, umbrage. She mm-hmm. she was giving me sort of like umbragey vibes, where like umbrage was like pretending to be so saccharine, mm-hmm. but really was like, you know, channeling the forces of primeval. Oh, that's so interesting because that that's right about the the time that Eli, my partner, was like, so Jan did it right. <laughs> yeah, he's a smarty. It, this Eli. is a show that we watch together, which it's always so nice when there's something that mm-hmm. we both enjoy and can watch together yeah. that sparks a lot sparks of joy for me. Him. Yes. Um, but I was like, what? I, maybe. Because as, as you and our, our beloved listeners who have been around a while know, I just sort of like to be with the story. And yes. I... I don't do a lot of forecasting. Mm-mm. That's not part of like what is fun to you about the co-creation. Mm-hmm. 
you just really want to like be in the moment, be in the here and now of the fantasy with the characters and like hang out with them. And I feel like you really, you give them the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. right? Which is something we talk about, you know, pretty frequently, I think, in like when we do couples therapy, which is, can you give your partner the benefit of the doubt rather than Mm -hmm. assuming that they're out to get you? What if you assumed that like positive intent or even just neutral intent? Mm -hmm. And you very much approach fandom characters that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eli and I are always like, mm, they're up to something. <laughs> Suspicious. <laughs> We're very skeptical. That lady's a killer. I'm like, she's a bassoonist. And they met on the elevator. And that was just a random happenstance. I know. But it, I, but- didn't, I didn't want her to be the murderer. Because, like, Charles was so happy. And right? her bassoon playing was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they seemed very happy, very well fit together. But when I did start getting suspicious was when she was stabbed. Because she was yeah. the only victim yes. who didn't die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. for me, I was like, okay, I need, yeah. I need to step out of my Pollyanna, uh, giving everyone oh. the benefit of the doubt. I, th- I think she, I think she done killed Tim Kono. She don't give... But I also don't want us to lose sight of the fact that, like, the the dips, they still killed Tim Kono's friend, correct? Yeah, uh, like, they were Zoe, still... They right? still murdered Zoe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were not, like, totally free and clear. Though, what happened with J- Dip Jr., that feels like it was very much an accident. And if anything... If, like, if it went to trial, it should be manslaughter. Well, I... Uh... I mean, I get where Nathan Lane is coming from, Dip Senior, um, You're right, Dip Senior. <laughs> where he needs to, you know, protect his son, especially like folks with disabilities don't do great in our That's court true. system. No, because they're, you're right, they're read as aberrant and deviant mm-hmm. and strange. Yeah, right. That's fair. There's, there's some, you know, there's already something wrong with this guy. There must be something wrong with this guy. Um, right. Which is a commentary on our social justice system, not on people with disabilities. Um, right. Yes. Good job really highlighting that. Just, well, <laughs> just want to be real clear. Very don't, clear. Don't mm-hmm. at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get where Nathan Lane is coming from. And also, like, it was such it was an accident. Yeah. And it was and it was witnessed. So Tim Kono could have even said, I saw this altercation. I saw that it was an accident. Right. It's so sad that it it played out the other way. And going back to skepticism, I think it really does point to uh, Dip Senior's (laughs) general distrust of others. And if we think about the fact that he came from an immigrant background. Yeah. His experience was that the like systems and organizations will not help you. They will be against you. You need to like protect yourself and your family from them. So he mm-hmm. was he was profoundly disinclined to be honest. He was like, "Well, I gotta I gotta use the resources that I have that I think I have control over to protect myself and protect Dip Junior." Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I I have amassed some wealth and Mm -hmm. some status. And with that wealth and status, I will instill fear. Yes, I will. See, now as we're talking, what I'm imagining is Nathan Lane just like very quickly piling up like dips as a barricade, (laughs) 
just all these his containers wealth, of hummus. His, dip wealth. his wealth, and he's just like building this wall, and he's like, no one will get us. We're fortified by dips. <laughs> oh, that's such an interesting point, though. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of the of the immigrant angle, but of course that would be hugely impactful with his decision making. Like, not only is is Dip Junior deaf, but he's what, second generation Greek. Yeah, because doesn't he tell Dip Senior tells the story about is it his mother or his grandmother? Uh. It mm, one or the other. It was a matriarch of the family. The matriarch is his his yaya, who uh. escaped the Greek and Armenian Holocaust. Ooh. So we have um, we have some transgenerational trauma that yep. the dips are carrying around, uh-huh. and we also may have something called legacy burdens. Ah, uh, legacy, which burdens. I was I was reminded of in the recent IFS newsletter. <laughs> I can get the IFS newsletter, but I can't get into an IFS training. (laughs) If anyone who's in charge of the IFS Institute is listening to this, I recently, you know, I'm still trying to get in. So just want you to know, genuinely interested, not trying trying to to get into a level one. Really trying to get into level one, not trying to jump the line, just putting it out there. I'm trying to manifest, as our friend Rachel would say, I'm trying to manifest my presence in an IFS one. So would you, dear friend... Um, briefly explain what, well, God, I, I lost it. Fuck this migraine. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like me to explain legacy burdens? I would love it if you could explain legacy burdens. (laughs) So, uh, legacy burdens, much like transgenerational trauma are, you know, in the IFS perspective, there are all these different parts of us. And... These are parts that were gifted to us from previous generations. And these aren't necessarily nice gifts. These are, these are often unpleasant gifts. Um, but they, they are not ours. They are not of us personally. They are of our family line. Yeah. And they can be really painful you know, similar to transgenerational trauma. It's sort of a different way to think about that idea that, oh, I hold this belief, a really common one um, that I see as a a person of Jewish heritage is the the legacy burden uh, of the Holocaust or other types of marginalization for Jews. So, you know, there is this there's this part of us that is afraid of being gathered that keeps Jewish folks from doing certain things that might make them stand out or be noticed or, you know, be perhaps not liked because what, what would that mean? And how could that cause me to be harmed or people I love Mm -hmm. to be harmed? Sure. Um, So that, and that's just one example you know, obviously, uh, African American folks are holding on to some some tough legacy burdens mm. um, from slavery and other types yeah. of marginalization. And if you just look at your family, there are probably specific legacy burdens that are, you know, true to your family mm. that I couldn't possibly name because I don't know your family. You, the greater you. 
Right. Yours. Course, no, no, I, I got could, you. But that didn't yours, feel yours appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to turn this into let's do Larissa's entire family tree. <laughs> um, let's bring it back more to the dips, mm-hmm. the dip family genogram and their legacy burden, mm-hmm. which seems to be tied to, well, I mean, they have the legacy burden of poverty. Mm-hmm. And they have the legacy burden um, of being displaced and war and the Greek and Armenian Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it, until you notice from an IFS perspective, mm-hmm. until you notice that this legacy burden is there and work yeah. with it, mm-hmm. it's going to influence so much of our decision making. Right. So that legacy burden was very present, I'm guessing, when when Nathan Lane made the decisions mm. he made around right. around what to do with with Theo. Right. Well, of course, because I mean, th- I'm thinking about that now from like his perspective. He's going to let armed guards take his son away. Mm. He's going to go to armed guards and explain to them this situation. Mm-mm. Everything about his family's history says, "Don't do that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's no evidence that that is going to go in his favor. Right. 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 And and his son is different. Mm-hmm. In a couple ways. Right. In a and what is that going to mean? Yeah, son is third generation. Son is like stereo, so clearly very aligned with their ethnic and cultural background, which is mm-hmm. Greek. Yeah, and son, son is different. Son is deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, too many intersections, says Nathan mm-hmm. Lane. Yeah. All, all unconsciously. Yeah, right? all unconsciously. He's not like he. He's all doing this. What in like probably the amygdala. <laughs> or thereabouts, that area mm-hmm. of the brain where lots of like very rapid fire emotional processing happens. Mm-hmm. We might think of this as like intuition, where we very quickly move through and and pull from emotion based memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably with enough time and some conversation, mm-hmm. he would be able to at least say like, "Of course, I'm not going to hand my son over to armed guards." Do you know what happened to my grandmother? Right. Like, he might be able to get there, but not in that moment. Probably not in that moment. (laughs) And so then what we see is the ways that the past limits his ability to be present and see what's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. he doesn't, he singles out Tim Kono as a threat rather than an ally, rather than somebody who saw what happened, Mm -hmm. who could absolutely corroborate that, like, Theo, a.k.a., Dip Jr. was not trying to hurt, harm, murder anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Zoe was kind of being, uh, I, I was going to say something unkind about Zoe, but I mean, she, she was being pretty, like. She had, to use IFS speak, she had a firefighter part that was up. Oh. And firefighter parts are, for those of you who don't know, like current listener or like longtime listeners are probably like Larissa, we know, we know what it is. But yeah, we're trying any... to get into level one trainings too. <laughs> right. They're like, listen, Larissa, we know. But firefighter parts are very specific parts that activate when 
a person is in any type of interaction or situation where their really vulnerable Mm -hmm. parts are like at risk of being exposed. Yeah. And so firefighters come in and they really try and like distract very quickly Mm -hmm. the system so that then other parts can like get those vulnerable exiles is often the word that's used away Mm -hmm. from that in the moment interaction. And they do that with, you know, sex, drugs, or other types of like very intense, Mm -hmm. I don't know, external behavior or or intense stimuli. Acting out. Acting out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what Zoe was doing. Like she and Dib Jr. were having a moment. Mm-hmm. And and suddenly that felt threatening because she wanted to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And her system wasn't ready for that kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she was really unkind. She was very unkind. Mm-hmm. And, and re- like, Theo Dip Jr. Was, <laughs> was really trying to stay in the emotional vulnerability. He was... It was really beautiful the way he 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 just wanted he wanted her to join him there. He was like, "No, mm-hmm. we can do this. I'm staying here in my vulnerability." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she was like, "No, you're, you know, just putting him down and, uh, you know, saying that she pit like she pities him. He shouldn't pity her. She was making some big assumptions about his intent." Yes. And in some ways, like going back on a rewatch, one of the things that sort of struck me about it is that it felt like she was naming her own fears about what other people might think or say or believe about her Mm. and then projecting them onto him. Mm. Again, as a way to be like, get distance and get away from this human who was standing in front of her and being like, let's be vulnerable together. (laughs) She just wasn't like she wasn't ready. She yeah. didn't have the skills and tools to be able to do that. And he he, he was like, he wasn't ready to give up his bid. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then, she, and then she's literally pushing him oh. physically. And uh, like, obviously, he's responsible for his actions. And also. Yeah. Like. So this it felt like, I mean. It felt like the very definition of a mistake, of an accident. Yeah. It was like, stop. What it looked like was, stop pushing me. I have no way to tell you to stop pushing me. Like, she speaks sign language, but we are currently being pushed. So Right. Yeah. So my ability to to communicate with you in words is being Mm -hmm. limited. Yep. Yeah. You are now entering my physical space. And I don't know if this is depicted, but it, it definitely, like... I get the implication that though Dip Senior really does love his son, mm-hmm. I you get like oh actually no I shouldn't like I shouldn't minimize that like there's that scene because they do the flashback where oh, he gets really oh, mad the, and he just shakes screaming. him oh that's so upsetting. and the screaming um so like Dip Junior also had that experience of when people are coming into his physical space mm-hmm. aggressively he has negative experiences with that so then his protective parts probably came up and. Mm-hmm. And it's a tragedy, but it's, yeah. it's not some sort of premeditated murder. But then I suppose that begs the question, how often is murder premeditated? Certainly sometimes it is, but it mm-hmm. does seem like a lot of the time it's this either a mistake or doing something leading from emotional reactivity mm-hmm. that 
in retrospect, one feels far more complicated about. Yeah. And those are my least favorite Columbo episodes. (laughs) (laughs) When there's emotional complexity and nuance, then it's mostly a mistake. (laughs) Yes. Well, because Ah. then, you know, Columbo's gift is unraveling Mm. the elaborate weavings of of a master manipulator killer. Right. And, like, if it's just a mistake, if you act, you know, if it was an argument and you accidentally threw the rock not in the pond, but at the person. (laughs) Yeah. I'm constantly like, and I recognize this is, this is my own experience. Sure. I'm like, just call, they'll understand. Like, yeah, they'll probably understand you, a tiny white lady (laughs) maybe yeah so those episodes wind up being columbo unraveling whatever the elaborate scheme is to cover up the murder yes but yeah i don't true i mean as a viewer of columbo not as a person (laughs) in the world a long time viewer of columbo yes (laughs) those are my least favorites because it is it's like oh my god it was an accident I know. Well, here's where we're going to get really meta. Are you ready? Maybe I'm ready. Meta, but more complicated. Like, from an IFS perspective, I wonder if what the character who's the master manipulator is really representing is mm-hmm. representing a part. Like, the part that after after the horror and the emotional reactivity and, like, the mistake mm-hmm. of murder happens, that then this part comes in and says, okay, let's let's find a way to fix this. Let's find a way to mm-hmm. keep ourselves safe, and we can create this elaborate ruse to get ourselves out. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's a very, that's, like, yeah, sort of a long way of me offering the question, like, when someone does kill, mm-hmm. is it more often than not, internally a very fraught thing i yeah i i think generally yeah you there aren't too many like true psychopath slash sociopath folks who murder like we hear a lot about them they get a lot of press right but you know your your garden variety which sounds like a terrible thing to say but your 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 average your average murder is really a a, an awful tragedy and a mistake Mm -hmm. right well and like yeah it always is again as Mm -hmm. as a longtime viewer of let's say dateline um (laughs) let's say it let's bring up dateline let's bring up dateline Um, (laughs) uh, just yesterday i was at a lovely virtual watch along with some of the date with dateline people oh that's so delightful it was delightful oh Um, remember when i was so upset when you were like you very nicely sent me this text and you were like what if we did a watch along of like something with us on the podcast (laughs) and i was like that would be too hard to set up (laughs) i know i was like but date with dateline does it and it's so nice Let me just say on the record that I'm sorry I was clearly coming from a reactive and overstressed place. I do think that would be a lovely idea. <laughs> oh, well, this is we got we got a full 180 there. Uh, That's right. <laughs> this is the benefit of taking time to be with your parts. Oh, that is nice. 
Um, anyway, back to your story. Yeah, date well, back Dateline to Dateline. Dateline. This is just regular Dateline, not Date with Dateline. Um, okay, sure. A wonderful Important. podcast that I would highly recommend you listen to. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, on Dateline, so often there will be partners who murder their partner for some reason, be it like religious or just how they're going to be seen in the community. You know, it'll be better if I'm a widow, not a divorcee. Right. But it always comes back to bite you in the ass. Murder does have a way of doing that, yes. (laughs) Right. Well, just the thought, again, this this is the thought of firefighters. The firefighter is like, I know how to get us out of this situation. Right. You don't want to be a divorcee? Have I got a plan for us? Mm hmm. And you go through with the plan. It's like, okay, great. It worked. Um, Now you're under suspicion Mm -hmm. for the next 25 years until it's proven or, you know, Mm -hmm. you slip up or whatever. And let me be clear, friends at home, we're in no way saying murder is ever okay. No, we're definitely not. We're very much on the side of like, don't murder. Please don't murder. Please don't murder. Um, y- even if you're in a situation where that feels like you're only out, stop and and like get out of that situation at least for a bit, and and get some outside help, get some some outside perspective. Hmm. I did not think we were going to take this turn here. <laughs> no, I definitely thought we were just going to be making sixty nine jokes, but that's not what happened, and it's that's all not what rabbit's happened. fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, the Donner party. <laughs> Donner. <laughs> so the Donner party isn't brought up, but here, I'm going to hold up this book that only you can see that I'm almost... Oh, um, oh, someone uh-huh. someone else recommended... Uh, Larissa is holding up the book Humankind um, hmm. by Rutger Bregman. What a great name. Um, I know. With- Rutger is from... Hold on. Rutgers Dutch. Okay. That's yeah. why he has that cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else just recommended that book to me as well. It is uh, it, like it ha- it is delightful in many, many ways. It mm-hmm. like all the stuff I'm saying about murder being a tragic accident. Some of it absolutely is pulled from mm-hmm. this book because in summary, what this book argues is that like at, at our core, human beings are friendly. Mm hmm. And we want to be kind. Oh, man. And that there are all sorts of things that happen that, like, result in the opposite of that. Mm. Not the least of which is all those studies that, like, oxytocin increases our ability to love and connect and be friendly. But it also increases our ability to form groups against other groups. Yeah. You know, everything is a shadow side. Mm -hmm. Go all the way back to Jung. But anyway, I'm sure it's because of this book that I was like, wow, yeah, you know, murder inside every murder is just it's just a person. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And I do feel like the show bears that out with the exception of Jan. Jan feels like she's at least so far in this season. Yeah, it seems like she uh, she was into she was into the murder cuz she could have fully just not murdered tim kono she could have accepted the breakup absolutely (laughs) and it also is implied that she is poisoning the person who stole first chair from her 
Oh, I missed that. Maybe I read that in just because of like, you mm-hmm. know, the bassoon and how she's poisoning everyone. I was just like, <laughs> is is that like our long-term goal to poison the first chair so you can be first chair? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't that. put it past her. No, no. But she definitely feels like someone who, if we're to believe that she feels the way she's depicted as feeling in the story, mm-hmm. is maybe low on the mirror neurons, low on the empathy. Mm-hmm. It seems like she has a a hard time connecting with other with others. Yeah. And the intensity of murder gives her some kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, lots of people throw around the term sociopathy. That's not actually a clinical term. No. Um, no. We don't go around diagnosing people with that. Though I do now for whatever, maybe it's because it's like Halloween, but people have been like asking like, Larissa, how do you diagnose a sociopath? And I'm like, I I don't. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I could not tell you the number of clients who have asked me if I believe they have any markers. That, that too. That comes up too. Mm-hmm. And I usually try to like offer it back is that like, you know, if you're worried about that, that is a strong that, indicator that that's not at play for you. That's what I always say, too. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you have the awareness to ask the question. So, you already. Yeah, we're- <laughs> positive signs. Jan, if Jan was in a therapy space, I don't think Jan would be asking that question. No, definitely not. And I mean, I think uh, longtime listeners know I I don't mm-hmm. love diagnosing in general, and I especially don't like diagnoses of personality disorders. And yet there is this big book of diagnoses called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Um, and DSM-5. DSM-5, and it's about to be DSM-5R. Oh, my God. I, I know. Just, I just wish they would just come out with DSM-6. I hate when they do the DSMs in the middle because then we have to change things with insurance Mm -hmm. and then DSM-6 comes out and it's like, change it again. Mm -hmm. No, I know. I I got an email from the university where I adjunct and they were like, FYI, DSM 5.A, it's coming out. (laughs) Yeah, woot. Uh, I'm coming out. It's the DSM five A. Just do I the want dance. the world Any. to know. Um, I'm I'm kidding, Time folks. To die, I believe it is five R R for revised. Yes. Who knows what they revised? For some reason, I thought you were going to say R for revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like a horror movie. D, it, you know, it's the Halloween series. It's like DSM H two O twenty years later. <laughs> this one has Buster Rhymes. <laughs> That's right. Oh, DSM five R Resurrection with Buster Rhymes. <laughs> Resurrection with Buster. Rhymes. <laughs> Listen, if that was the rollout and they got Buster Rhymes to like, I don't know, introduce. I'd I'd go. I'd yeah, go to that APA, I'd, I'd, Yeah, I'd be more into it. I'd be like, Busta, what do you have to say about psychopathy? Mm-hmm. But anyway, you were going to make a point, I think, about personality disorders. I was. I was going to say, if if we were to take a more clinical diagnostic lens to Jan, I think yeah. she might meet criteria for an, uh, 
antisocial personality disorder, which is the yeah. clinical term for psychopathy. Mm -hmm. And probably you'd put in like some aggressive or pictures in there too. Mm -hmm. Basically, basically Jan would be inpatient and Jan would be doing a lot of group mm -hmm. therapy work because group therapy work is, is the place to relearn how to be with other humans. That's right. She needs some solid dialectical behavior therapy. So much dialectical behavior therapy. And then maybe once she like got in touch with some feelings, they could do like equine therapy. But I wouldn't I wouldn't leave I her alone. I would not let her anywhere near a horse until she had at least a year of DBT. <laughs> oh, yes. No, absolutely. And I was going to say like I wouldn't you can't leave her alone with the, with the horse. Because the horse maybe might ever. do something that upset her. Right. And then she might be like, well, time to have a big reaction. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, uh, she'd be a tough case. She would. I would refer her out. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I wonder if mm -hmm. she hadn't murdered before Tim Kono. Oh, yeah. I mean, she has to have, right? Well, because something she said. Well, a couple mm -hmm. things made me think that, right? She's she One seems very chill about how yes. she's just going to kill this guy. Mm -hmm. Um which unusual for yes, first time murderer. Um but also she uh when she poisons Charles with the the hanky, she's like right. I like to mix it up. Oh yeah. Yeah, so she <clears throat> she's been doing this for a while. And to bring it back to our friend Rutgers, <laughs> <laughs> Rutger Hauer. One of the things that Ruck, one of the points that he makes is that like human because killing is like anathema to human beings. Like it's not something mm -hmm. that we want to do. We actually we need, we have to work ourselves up to it. Mm. And. That that is very, and he points to that as being an indicator that like we are in many ways innately pro-social beings. Oh yeah, because it's very hard. It's very hard for us to kill another being, and then like the aftermath is also very hard on us usually. Though Jan, being a very obvious outlier here, which is why we are armchair diagnosing her. Mm -hmm. Right, and this is this is the wonderful thing about fiction. Mm -hmm. And and our, our good friend and editor, Dr. Travis Langley, speaks on this quite a lot about, mm -hmm. you know, we couldn't go around diagnosing just random people we have never worked with. Um, right. That would be unethical. But mm. we can diagnose a fictional character all day long. That's right. <laughs> and it can actually be really beneficial for folks to learn. Mm -hmm. because we know all this information about these fictional characters and yes. then we can try out diagnoses and if it doesn't fit quite right no one is harmed by that no no because this is a fictional character this is dean winchester who lives forever and our collective cultural consciousness mm -hmm. and my closet You know, there's so many ways I could respond to that, and I am just gonna do like a curt nod and walk on by. <laughs> no, I, we'll not engage. 
will not engage. Um, and I know that we are sort of like winding down here, and I want to make sure that we acknowledge that Tina Fey's character, Cindy Canning. Oh, okay. The her name for her podcast is the name that I thought the show was <laughs> on the show because she calls it only murderers. Mm-hmm. in the building which is what i thought but that's not what it is and so when i got to the end and that was she was like that's the name and i was like yes <laughs> so excited yeah i thought of you in that moment i was like that's <laughs> thank you that's what spock thought it was the whole time the whole the whole time True. yeah uh overall this show i found completely delightful Oh, yes. And I, I love a show or a movie that you can go back and rewatch and find, I'm sure I've said this before, find mm-hmm. the little Easter eggs. And this show absolutely does that. Like you go back through and you're yeah. like, oh, look, there's the there's the box of sex toys. The, <laughs> the one that Oliver pulled out is is the is the bassoon cleaner. Mm hmm. And it was it wasn't until they pulled the box of sex toys out the second time and he pulled yeah. that one out. I was like, I bet that's bassoon cleaner because I remembered back to when I, a young Kirkling, thought that I could play an instrument. Wow. Yeah. What instrument did you think you could play? The oboe. Wow. <laughs> that is not an instrument for an asthmatic. <laughs> Mm. I know wind instrument. Yeah, with that like fiddly little reed. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was terrible. I sucked at it. I didn't practice. It's very hard. I think this was like the very beginning of my lying in school. <laughs> oh, because I would definitely lie about how much I practiced that oboe. I was like five hours. And then I would be everyone, like, yeah. <laughs> everyone lied about practicing. And I remember like agonizing because I played the bass. Um, I practiced some. I went through periods of a lot of practice and some through low practice. I could never figure out the vibrato. Uh, so stand up bass. Stand up bass. Mm-hmm. We could have a heck of a jazz band now. A bass and an oboe. Uh, yeah, I never actually learned how to play. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd just be like one note. <laughs> I could do some like syncopated rhythms in the back. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd probably do okay with the recorder. Like, yeah. Strawberry, strawberry, strawberry pie. <laughs> It is pie, it is pie. Oh, yeah, it's pie. I know those aren't the words, but that's how I would remember the tune. <laughs> that is, that's beautiful and also very much confirms that we will not be starting a Starship Therapist jazz band. <laughs> I could sing, that is That I could do. I know. You could, you could sing. Um, our producer plays the piano. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, if I got back into the bass, that would be decent. The piano, <laughs> the bass, and the singer. You could do the jazz hands. Oh, no. I mean, I, I'd go full, like, 1940s torch songs. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would, can you, what would you, what would be the opening number? Mm. 
You didn't do right by me. Just like it goes in the song. You done me wrong. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's less vibrato in jazz bass, so I'm good to go. <laughs> Um, all right. So what, how, how we want to end this thing, friends, you know, we've made it all the way through. I definitely hope there's a season two. Mm -hmm. I love the vibe between our like three leads. Mm -hmm. It's just delightful. Yeah. I, I really, I loved Selena Gomez in this role. I I say that because I was surprised. Yes, absolutely. I, did not think that she could act. And yes, I know she started on the Disney Channel, but like. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. No, it, it sure. What a good. That was a beautiful way of putting it. And we're just going to let that stand. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean anything, but she was great in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. She was great. I really I enjoyed her character. I loved the arc. Like at the end, she's finally painting her aunt's apartment. I know it was really beautiful, mm-hmm. and she, and she did all the people in their windows. I loved that. I was like, "That's what I want my whole house to be." Yes. <laughs> and then it ended with her trauma of an accidental murder. Mm, I don't think it was the way the way I read that. Yes. How did you read it? The way I read that was <clears throat> someone has framed her. Someone took one of her knitting needles stabbed the president and then dropped president or or ursula the building manager building manager yeah co-op the co-op president okay so you think some this was this was potentially a premeditated murder i think this was a setup i think this was premeditated nobody liked ursula no that's true they were they were pretty upset with her Mm mm-hmm and what better way to right. get rid of Ursula and also those troublesome podcasters who are now Yikes. in the building who might expose you, other killer? Because it's a big building. There could it be is a big at building. least four murderers in that building. And I like. I really want to be very clear that I am so far outside my training right now that this is not even an educated guess. This is just like a... a a curious wondering. <laughs> it's just a curiosity. A curiosity that, like, I find myself wondering, like, because there have been this, like, series of murders in the building, mm-hmm. is that somehow n- almost normalizing it for other for other neighbors? They're like, mm-hmm. well, in our small society in the Arconia, <laughs> we murder sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer and we feel bad about it. But, you know, sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, there is there is evidence to back that up. I mean, that that's mirror neurons again. Like the the sadder example of that is when there is a suicide in a school, Arr. and that's that's why adults freak out so much because right. it can happen that you. A young mind sees that occur, right? And but if it feels like more of an an option, mm-hmm. right? Ugh. 
So social learning has a dark side. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So totally, it it could be someone in the building who was already up to nefarious stuff and just mm -hmm. wants to make sure those amateur investigators are out. Sure. Or it could be someone new who's like, I just want to get rid of Ursula. Right. A new cast member. We'll find out in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm so glad we're getting a season two. It's just delightful. Oh, and yes. let us not forget how every but all of our three heroes uh -huh. wound up having oh. an emotional attachment by the end yeah. of the story, both with each other and with important people in their lives. That's true. They really were able to to re rebuild, reconnect, repair. Mm hmm. As a result of the new connections they built with each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they were able to see it modeled and experience. Hey, this is why it's so important to give yourself permission to attach to fictional characters. Because whoever sure. you attach with, you're practicing. Right. That's true. It also reminds me of group therapy in a way. That like part of what sure. they did, you know, it had elements of that, of like learning here were these strangers. They had one thing in common initially, which mm -hmm. was this podcast, which is, again, speaks to the power of fandom to bring folks together. And it was from mm -hmm. that beginning, that shared love, that it allowed them to like be flexible and be playful and open up just a little. Mm -hmm. And it just took a little bit for them to positively connect with one another because part of what humans want to do at our core is be with others. Attach mm -hmm. with others in a way that feels mutually beneficial and positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's just it it's just delightful. Oliver got to have tea with his yeah. son, and he refused his son's money. Which well, that's you, right. Which you know such was growth for him. It was growth for him, and it was such a huge deal for his son to get to feel like yeah. I'm. I'm not just in my dad's life as a source of money. I'm also in my dad's life as a source of joy and connection. Mm -hmm. um, and Selena Gomez, uh, Moira, not Moira. What's Mabel. Mabel. <laughs> Mabel Mora. That's why I keep thinking it's Moira. Yes. Um, you know, Mabel really connects with Oscar. Yeah. And... And that, oh, so hard. Oscar's going to know how she's feeling. He totally is. Oh, season two. Man. Yeah, it's probably going to be really hard for him to visit her. Probably. You know, they're also going to need to have some new person move in who plays an instrument. Because the bassoon was such a central part of the music. And it was, it was really lovely. They did an excellent job. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, the bassoon is not often featured. No, unless uh, you're listening to Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> a beautiful piece of music. A beautiful piece of music. Absolutely. With bassoon. <laughs> With bassoon. Yeah, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe a, a DJ? DJ Dips? DJ Dips? A, a flautist? Not a bass player, because they're, you don't want to... I mean, you know... No, no shade on bass players. I was one for like almost 10 years. <laughs> doop, doop, but, uh, doop, 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 doop. 
it, it's it's hard. You know, a cello, a nice cello. Uh -huh. Yeah. Who doesn't? Or a violin. Who doesn't love a violin? Or a violin. Exactly. Very Sherlockian. You know, very Sherlockian. Very plaintive. Hmm? <laughs> well, uh, what do we want people to walk out of here with? I mean, you can walk out of here with whatever you like, listener, but, you know, now is the time when we highlight a few things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I obviously walk away with whatever whatever suits you. But uh, what, I, what I really enjoyed about this show, aside from just, you know, how quirky and delightful it was, which is my vibe. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, I loved that it centered on found family and and friendship as the center of life, not romantic relationships as the center of life. Oh, beautifully said. Here, here. Mm -hmm. You know, and and in fact, not that romantic relationships are dangerous, but that. <laughs> oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, let, let's just let let's know where we need to. Mm -hmm. spend our time with our with our platonic friendships and to yeah. listen to our platonic friends if they have something to say about our romantic relationships they might see something we don't right and that it's an invitation to like to sit and to notice and i do wonder if at least in terms of what was depicted on mm -hmm. only murders in the building there was there was an understanding between our like three leads mm -hmm. that one could move slowly towards friendship on the trust staircase mm -hmm. and that there could be waiting, there could be going down a step and it didn't mean ending the friendship necessarily though, you know, Martin short and Steve Martin went back and forth on that a little bit more robustly. <laughs> um, but there, it was like, there was uh, this shared understanding that like one can, one can learn to trust a friend and build a friendship over time. Whereas with romantic relationships, well, I think one of the theses of the show is that like folks are prone to move too quickly and to mm -hmm. race up the trust staircase before actual trust has been earned and built. Mm -hmm. Right. What do I know? There was that scene with um, with Jan and and Charles where they are having their first date, and she just info dumps on him. She does. Which I'm not saying it's a red flag, but I would say that it is. A yellow flag. It's a pay attention flag. Right. Because that could indicate someone who is trying to leap up the trust staircase and give you information that is beyond what you are ready to hear. Right. And then, of course, he feels kind of pressured to meet her where she's at, and he winds up sharing these dis making these disclosures and now it was almost like a spiritual bypass like we we took an mm. escalator instead of going up the trust staircase and right and initially i sort of wrote this off as well like this is because tv is different mm -hmm. from real life they have to move more quickly in real mm -hmm. life you do this slower after like you know at least a handful if not several dates mm -hmm. but then ultimately when we see the full arc of charles and jan Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely was. There were some yellow flags there. Yeah, like, hey, here's my entire life mm -hmm. story. Now give me yours. Let's bond right now. <laughs> right. They hadn't even gotten their entrees yet, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. That... Let things naturally unfold. This mm -hmm. is an invitation, friends out there, to let things naturally unfold and 
it's okay to let things take some time. We don't, we don't have to know every single thing about another human being right away. No. And if you feel like you need to, that might be an invitation to, you know, do some self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Right. Why do I need to know everything about this other human being? My guess is it's because a part of you feels scared and wants mm-hmm. to, like, okay, I can't trust this person unless I know all their dark, dirty secrets. Yeah. But the 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 catch-22 here mm-hmm. is that if you know all those dark, dirty secrets without being on an appropriate trust step... Like you will run because there's nothing to stand on. Right. You have no context with which to understand. You have no Mm -hmm. history. You have no foundation. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I was just Mm. thinking I, I like that we had a slow pace getting to know our characters in this show. Agreed. Because we got a chance to walk up the trust staircase with them. Oh, that's so true. I told, yes. You know, so we were able to hold some stuff that we maybe couldn't have held if we Mm -hmm. knew it right away. Yeah. That's so real. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, depending on like what form of media we're consuming, like things can come at us so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I really loved how it took its time, how it was slow. It felt like there was like room to exist and be and breathe with these characters. Mm-hmm. And it was set in autumn, which is just uh. the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just just so good to to be in autumn and watching yes. autumn in New York. Absolutely. Mm. Little, be at this little stage, chilly. Uh, little chilly, <laughs> but be at this stage of life where like I have all the nasal sprays I need. <laughs> to enjoy autumn yeah probably need a little bit more benadryl but that's you know depending on how much time we're spending outside i'm not like diving into leaves at this point (laughs) in my life you know because new york those winds can really whip the leaves around and and the and the schmutz that was the other that was like that was the part of the fantasy i enjoyed is like their new york was so scrubbed clean (laughs) which the few times i've been in new york there hasn't been a lot of scrubbed cleanness oh oh friend it is so much better than it once was i believe you it went through a a dramatic cleanup in the late late 80s into the 90s yeah, it, was, it used to be pretty, uh... Pretty down there, down and, yeah, down and yeah, dirty. It was, a little, it was a little gritty, yeah. A little, little punk rock. Very Batman. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> yeah, what, what did we talk about today? If friends wanted to do some Googling. You know, we talked about a lot of things today. We, <laughs> we really did. And I'm going to be honest, I only wrote three of them down. <laughs> So the three things that I wrote down were internal family systems, attachment, and group therapy. Um, we also talked about what social learning, the the revenge of the DSM. Yeah, the DSM. <laughs> and we pretty staunchly stuck to in terms of fandoms, only murders in the building. We little we did a bit of like dabbling 
mm-hmm. in Dateline, a dabble in Hannibal. Oh, and then we talked about uh, Rutgers' book, which I'll put a link to, uh, Humankind, A Hopeful History. Right. And we also talked a little bit about Columbo. That's right. How could we forget? Because what's crime name? without Columbo? And yes. uh, Donner. <laughs> the Donner <laughs> the Donner Party play. It could have been a musical. It's been a long time now. It's been a long time. The Milky Rabbits. Um, that's not going to go in our bibliography of terms. <laughs> but we, we sure did mention it a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing that happened. <laughs> Um, it sure yes. was. This uh, this show was a delight. I can't wait for season two. Yes, here, here. I hope they film soon. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> we may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are the third party in our trio of crime fighting. (laughs) Yes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and very much especially review us on Apple Podcasts, even if that's not where you listen. And be sure to tell your friends. Just a reminder that our book, Starship Therapies, Using Therapeutic Fan Fiction to Rewrite Your Life, is available at all of your favorite booksellers, and some that you probably don't care for. But order yourself a copy, or two, (laughs) or three. The holidays, they are a-coming. And your loved ones would love a copy. And share the news, share the Starship Therapy good news with your social networks. (laughs) And as always, friends, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.